0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast, where we cover everything from crypto finance to global macro. I'm your host, Leslie Lam. In this episode, I chat with Konstantin Kostenko, Senior Director for Blockchain Solution Architecture and Strategy with Consensus Mesh for Trium, the team behind Euler Beats. At Consensus, Konstantin is focusing on creating multi sided platform based businesses and building production grade solutions on the Ethereum blockchain. What do you get when you apply some math to create music? Well, some serious creativity. Have you ever heard of algorithmically generated music? It sounds a bit like trance mixed with EDM served with a side of musical surprise. That is what each Euler beats track represents. The algorithm used to generate these pieces is based on a math function by the famous 18th century mathematician Leonard Euler. The Euler Beats project released its first collection of 27 unique original tracks titled Genesis and plans to launch its second collection titled Enigma on Monday, March 29th. Constantine and I discuss how this game theory experiment came together, why it's gaining traction, and how it is set up to change the way artists monetize the music industry. I had a ton of fun chatting with Constantine. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Constantine, appreciate you coming on to Crypto Unstacked. I'm so excited to have you join our NFT series.
1: Thank you, Leslie. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Constantine, today in all the NFT hype, Trium is associated with the popular generative art project called Euler Beats, which Mark Cuban has famously called the most genius project ever. Uh, we'll get into Euler Beats in just a bit. But first, let's dial back to Q1 of 2020 and talk about some basketball. Some of you listening may already know what I'm referring to, and that is the Sacramento Kings, whom the Trium team helped to launch the first live blockchain-powered auction platform for Kings Memorabilia. Tell us how that partnership evolved and if you got any interesting responses from the Kings fans.
1: Uh, Thank you. Indeed, the TRIM team have launched a um, a project with uh, Sacramento Kings. Those interested about the details can certainly Google and look up the press release from the NBA and Sacramento Kings about the details of the project. And uh, how that evolved is uh, through a relationship that uh, we have with uh, Sacramento Kings. So specifically, we had um, approached them and floated the idea. And uh, as many of your listeners may know that Sacramento Kings is one of the most innovative teams in the NBA, constantly experimenting with different technologies. Uh, They're doing Ethereum mining in their data center. Uh, They are one of the teams that started accepting crypto for payments for some of the events. Their arena is full with technology for experimentation. And uh, when we floated this idea, uh, that we're excited to give it a go. And the core principle of the project was an ability to have a game live auction where the jersey you see that a player is wearing, uh, you can make a bid. At the end of the game, you get both the jersey as well as a uh, token uh, associated with the jersey, giving the owner proof of ownership, of course, as well as a token representing that event, that that moment, and uh, that experience.
0: So it was sort of like a a live NBA top shot, except for instead of a layup, it's a a jersey that yeah, people yeah, can option. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. What really felt, we really felt was the beginning of the project would be something where you actually capture the moment. It's it's imagined you are either at home, or because the bidding was open to people, of course, in the arena through the mobile app or people watching kind of live on the sidelines, you're feeling the game, you are in the game, you feel this movement, you feel this association. And then you're also following a player and, and you really connect with the moment. This is what sports entertainment is about. It's about capturing the moment. And so we wanted to convey that, connect this digital experience, live experience and physical experience into one thing, and then bring it natively onto Ethereum blockchain.
0: Yeah, so this is just one case study, right, of the many stakeholders that you guys work with across multiple industries, including sustainability, food, uh, fashion, right? And sports obviously is a very big part of what a lot of the audience cares about when it comes to authenticity and ownership, right? And a lot of these themes carry over to, of course, what we'll be talking about today, which is about NFTs. Um, But if we can zoom out a bit, for you as a solutions architect at TRIUM, what are some of the mental models you have or rely on that help you come up with new types of business models within this blockchain space?
1: For us, it's about bringing trust. It's about bringing trust to people. It's about bringing trust to consumers. And it's about being able to really build the future on a digitally native landscape, on a digital native substrate. So when we think about projects, we think about can blockchain and the trustless environment where we're all moving towards very rapidly, will that be a differentiator? Will this make life easier for a consumer? Uh, Will it make the business efficient and more competitive? And ultimately, will it rise all the boats that are participating uh, in this ecosystem? So earlier in my career was consensus. I was part of the enterprise team. And uh, I would say 80% of my time when clients approached us with a a blockchain idea solution, we would say, no, let's not do this. And here's why, especially during the ICO craze, people pitch different ideas and that we're seeking our advice and help and say, let's do a token. And our response would be, let's not, and here's why. And we would convince them, in essence, talk our potential clients out of working with us because we did not want to do blockchain for the sake of a blockchain. It's, it's certainly not the right approach. You, if you can do something without a token, you should do it without a token. You really need to understand what is the value, what is the meaning of the token and what benefit it provides in the very immediate future as you release this project, as well as what you can do with the token later, with the community later, and how that can be a building block for connecting the dots in the future in a way that would not have been possible before. So that's the approach we use on the TRIM team when we think about the projects. This is about really building a different type of uh, infrastructure and different ecosystem to help businesses get into the tokenized world, but in smart way.
0: I want to draw on one of your personal interests that ties into what you just said. And this is a concept I really love learning about, actually, when um, I was doing a bit of research on yourself and the Trium team. And that is the circular economy, which you read about on your blog, iFirebrand. Could you tell us what the circular economy means and why it's important to you?
1: So circular economy is a concept that was pioneered by Alan MacArthur Foundation, it became fairly popular five or six years ago. And over the past two or three years, they're entering the phase, when I say there, it's the community entering the phase of creating solutions that are economical, make sense. And circular economy is really about two things. It's one, how do you re-engineer all the processes that go into making things in such a way that you produce least amount of waste. In essence, you eliminate the waste, not at the end of the cycle when a product is in the consumer's hands, but even as you go through the process. And so the idea here is how can you Capture this item and have it re enter back into the usable ecosystem so that the energy is not wasted. Well, recycling turns out to be not the most efficient way of actually capturing this energy. A more effective way would be reusing something. And so, where blockchain comes in, where Trium excitement comes in here, is that. In our view, and my personal view, because I write about it I personal as well on ifirebrand.com, is that how do you connect these discrete systems? Because for a change of this magnitude, there's so many different actors that really don't trust each other, that really don't have an incentive to trust each other. And so our view here is that if you can create a system that incentivizes people to take the right next circular step or the right next step in the process, you can then create incentives so people do take the right next step. The reason blockchain comes in here is that you can program incentives right into the product you're holding. And then the beauty here is that on the Ethereum blockchain, we use the words as media logos or, or money logos. You can then couple those incentives with the product, maybe it could be government incentive. And because it's on a blockchain, can be linked into the physical real world, you can truly create a system that works. This has not yet been done before. A lot of early successes are centralized successes. So for example, companies like Ikea are doing um, projects where you can return something back to the center itself and get resold. And that's early successes through the centralized systems. But how do you actually get everybody who's unrelated to work together? And I think the magic there is in the blockchain.
0: I love that. To quote something that you wrote when it comes to circularity or the circular economy, it's about open networks. I'm curious to know, how is the Ethereum network designed to scale circularity and, in your words, kind of enable and future-proof a lot of these circular economy initiatives that are permeating into the crypto space that we see today?
1: This is an interesting question because it has a lot of different components. The first thing I would say is that looking at Ethereum as the technological infrastructure, the technical elements that go into having Ethereum operate the network that it is. So I'm talking about the the cryptographic properties, the design of it, the fact that Ethereum is general purpose blockchain that's designed to really solve any problem. But ultimately, it's not just any problem, it's any problem that makes sense It's fit for purpose. Fit for purpose, of course, is is a critical element for everybody and anybody who's getting to blockchain to understand. And understand, of course, that Ethereum as it stands right now in its uh, 1.0, so to say, version is, is not designed to uh, scale the number of transactions necessary to have these kind of commodity-like transactions that occur on a daily basis. And for that, there is a number of uh, layer two solutions that are linked to the main chain that are occurring. Uh, There's a lot of progress has been made, a lot of those items, a lot of those um, properties and networks are coming online right now. Plus there's also a lot of other chains like XDI chain, for example, that is running on the same code base, for lack of a better word, a virtual machine as Ethereum, but it's running a different token with bridges going back to Ethereum. To answer your question, there are solutions that exist right now that have bridges to go into Ethereum and out of Ethereum as needed. And my thesis here is that the Ethereum ecosystem itself, that's really the, the most trustworthy anchoring element. So it's important to create uh, this central anchor that enables you then to perform other transactions and give you another example part of the consensus mesh there's a project called baseline it enables different parties to perform computation run their own business processes never have their data actually enter the blockchain but the state changes that matters between different businesses could be two or more a dozen businesses they write the hash of the transaction Onto the blockchain, so then you know that when that state change from one business to a different business, the act of that state gets recorded in the blockchain, but not as kind of plain text results of the transaction, but just a hash. And because both parties are aware of that of what the state change is, they can simply say like, "Yes, I know what this hash represents." So this is an example of Ethereum mainnet being used as the source of truth for transactions that make sense.
0: Now I think is a great time to. Pivot into more about the NFT space. I briefly mentioned Euler Beats at the top of our conversation, which to our audience uh, who are not familiar with the project is an NFT project that creates algorithmically generated music on Ethereum. And that in and of itself might be a mouthful. Help us frame this part of the conversation by explaining what do NFTs mean to you? At its core, is it about verifiable ownership? Is it about programmable trust or is it about something entirely different? I
1: think my definition of NFTs is is pretty straightforward. I think it is a representation of a digital asset that exists somewhere on the blockchain. And most importantly, it's about the ownership narrative of that digital asset. To me, non-fungible tokens also represent anything and everything that we have in both physical and digital world. So this is not simply limited to what we're seeing in the ecosystem right now. NFTs have been and uh, and will continue to really take on different forms and shapes of everything that we have in this world. I mean, you can look at uh, even maybe even entering a hotel room. It could be a token that could be used, one-time token to enter it. It's a very rich ecosystem. We, I think, only scratching the surface of what we can do. And interestingly enough for, for your listeners, maybe who are just entering the NFT space, what i've been hearing a lot in clubhouse rooms and conversations it's it's the same it's the same narrative i heard in 2017 and 2018 without the using the word of nft so solving the problems <laughs> this solving the same problems is gonna it's gonna change how we do uh invoice factoring it's gonna change how we you know interact with each other it's this exactly same narrative but hearing it from the people who are just entering the the space and you can almost replace the word nft for for crypto, for blockchain, and you're going to have the same conversations we had in 2017 and 2018. It's a very interesting observation, and this is really maybe a call to action for everybody who is just getting into the space to do some research about what has been happening the past couple of years, and you'd be pleasantly surprised how much progress has been made so far.
0: Yeah, and I know you recently hosted or moderated a clubhouse, right? It was amongst a lot of musicians and producers. Did you get any interesting comments from that crowd?
1: The interesting, the most interesting comment from the crowd was uh, the second I wanted to ask a question to um, Gareth Emery, somebody paused me and gave us a shout out to Euler Beats on the revolutionary work we're doing. It was very heartwarming to hear that. So that was certainly a bit of a shock and a pleasant surprise. You know, as for the conversation, the the, the conversation that I uh, participated in was about royalties and about instant payouts that artists can get with uh, with blockchain technology. And truth of the matter, uh, there were other projects that attempted to solve this specific problem in different way. And one of those projects is. Um, uja music it was a consensus project like many projects of consensus that project was simply too early for its time the same type of questions we were asking at that time about royalties should the drummer get five percent two percent the role of a fan all those thoughts and all those questions have been raised smart contracts have been written Tests been run proof of concept conducted but simple the timing was not right So it's really interesting and fascinating to see how people respond to it when you hit the right subject at the right time.
0: Speaking of, you know, right place, right time, why generative art now? Why is it capturing the, really, the hearts and wallets of, you know, so many people? How did your team come up with the idea behind Euler Beats of making this generative music?
1: So for us, it was a... um, I would say it was an overnight success, five years in the making. I love that. Uh, when it comes to blockchain technology and thinking about the Trim platform as a tokenization engine, as you can imagine, we use our platform to help our enterprise customers to tokenize um, different uh, products and services that you've seen with Sacramento Kings and, and a number of other clients. We actually had another project called um a sweeter uh, that we released in December of last year. And it was released as an experiment. We never intended to make money. It was more for friends and family. And the idea of the project was to be able to create your own 10 by 10 patch and then be able to mint it. We actually purposely have not advertised that project to the Euler Beats community simply because it may distract. But that's that project was the beginning of our thinking of um putting user in charge giving the user of nft an ability to create something and while that project was not generative because well actually that's not true we had a shuffle mode which enabled you to um to press the shuffle button and then the algorithm would create a different shape a different view based on the uh, based on um let's say, uh, you know, five to 10 different uh, icons you selected. And again, we had icons like uh, Gitcoin, uh, maybe a little like holiday cheer, uh, like a reindeer. We had other projects from the space from uh, ETH2 validators. This said it was for our extended uh, crypto family. And uh, and the idea is that you could keep keep hitting the shuffle button the algorithm, then, then obviously shuffles things into a certain way that you can, say, yes, I like it or I don't like it. Or you can manually um, create your own composition based on certain limitations that are programmed into the algorithm. And uh, what we found out from there is that there's tens of thousands, if not more, hundreds of thousands of clicks, of shuffle clicks of people trying different variations. And so with that, that was also, that was an input inspiration into Euler Beats where we wanted to uh, bring this idea of constraint because it's hard for people to make decisions. But if you provide the right set of constraints and some um, freeing factors, then people kind of enjoy these guardrails that enable them to create something new. And so that was the the idea for Euler Beats. Again, a lot of of ideas went into creating and paying respect to the mathematician and the, um, the function and the Euler number. And then create the algorithm that generates the visual aspect as well as the audio aspect while taking something from the user. So specifically in Euler Beats, we're taking the address of the wallet that does the generation as well as the hash of the block that's being created and using that as an input along with a few other random variables and the algorithm to generate the actual artwork and the music itself.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that pricing mechanism, right? Because I think this is really what sets Euler Beats apart from a lot of the other platforms. You know, tell us how the bonding curve you guys use impacts the pricing mechanism of the artwork.
1: Yes, of course. Indeed. So the beauty of Euler Beats is this uh, innovation. There's a lot, of, a lot. <laughs> we packed a lot into this project together. It's, uh, it's both the royalty system for the original print owners it's a bonding curve for pricing the prints with ability to burn and actual print the prints. So let me go in a bit of a detail. The basic idea here is that um, uh, once the original token is printed, you can create prints of it and the price of each print uh, rises with every time somebody buys a print. And then 8% of the sales price goes to the holder of the original token. So every time somebody buys a print, the price goes up, price goes up. That gives instant liquidity to the price of a given token. And this means that the the critical innovation here is that you now hold this NFT, you hold this token, you no longer need to go to a secondary market such as OpenSea or something else. You can instantly sell the token, in essence, back into into the smart contract and then extract the liquidity Uh, the the price of the token. So the way this works is when you burn or, in essence, redeem your token, you get 90% of the last price paid for the token. So in certain cases, you are able to, let's say, buy a token for 1 ETH, and then somebody buys two more tokens after you, and all of a sudden the value of the token is, let's say, 1.3 ETH. Right, so if you were to burn your token, then you would actually make money on that uh, token. Uh, we. Um you know, people buy Euler Beats for art. I think people buy Euler Beats for uh, the music and the fact this was the first project ever with these properties. And so we have in our community and Discord a whole slew of people who are just holding it because they have no intention to selling this ever simply because of significance of what it is. Many people in our community look at this as in the equivalent cool to uh, CryptoPunks, something so different. It's 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 a first for the music. And um, it's really interesting to see where this will go in the future. But people are certainly looking at this bonding curve as a really interesting economic experiment that influences people's behavior. And it's it's our execution of a game theory experiment, which was designed on purpose. And for, for our next release, uh, the Enigma, uh, we will be tweaking certain aspects of the bonding curve in reaction to the feedback from the community, as well as our desire to run a different game theory experiment as well.
0: That's super fascinating. One question is, you know, when we talk about NFTs, we can't not talk about standards because I think that's kind of what people are discovering right now, which standard might work better, which is more flexible. Euler Beats uses the ERC-1155 standard. Um, Why is this preferable? over the ERC 721 standard uh, to enable things like you know, paying out royalties to LP owners, for example?
1: I would not say that 721 or 1155, one is better than another. Like you said correctly, it's really about what is the right standard for the right uh, job. In this case, the reason we chose to use 1155 is that it, gives, it has this unique feature where you can, in, within the same contract, you can print both a fungible token as well as non-fungible token. So Euler Beats is a really good example of that. Our Euler Beats Genesis project has 27 original non-fungible tokens. And then each of those original non-fungible tokens can have up to 120 fungible tokens associated with it. So this gives this power of having both non-fungible tokens uh, mm-hmm. representing the original with a single owner, as well as having 120 fungible tokens representing that. So that is, that, that's why that model was such a, such a good choice for this uh, project. And this is, I think, one of the innovations that we're seeing in NFT space. There, there got to be other projects that have have launched NFTs using that, that approach. But I don't know if any of them have actually used the bonding curve uh, using the 1155 standard because most of the NFT projects, when people think of NFTs, they think of ERC-721. And with ERC-721, to further answer your question, you can still do uh, th- these kind of experiments. But these kind of experiments take on a slightly different role, I believe, you can still do the same type of an experiment with uh, ERC721, and you can simply build uh, uh, the royalty distributions into the contract. New Elastics have done that. Or you can use different platforms where things become a little bit more complicated, because then you have to use the smart contract associated with that platform, and maybe even using the tokens of the platform. If, if depending how the economics of the platform work, the value of the tokens may go up or down, which may be good or bad for the artist. The same could be said about Ethereum in general. So it's just different trade-offs for making these decisions. And I think it's critical for the artists and creatives getting to the space to at least have a a good understanding of those trade-offs, or at least find somebody who can help them understand or maybe even implement it for them so that they can focus on creating art and not necessarily uh, focusing on the, the token economics.
0: Constantine, as we wrap up here, I would love for you to share about any milestones you guys have achieved, right? You haven't been up and running for that long, but you have some pretty astounding s- stats already. And, and I would love for you to share any details on the upcoming auction that you guys have as well uh, for the original Euler Beats LPs. Um, so yeah, feel free to share.
1: Thank you so much. Upcoming upcoming auction is actually for the second half of the record of the Euler record we're looking at this as almost like an a side of the record and a B side of the record the b side of the record is the enigma release uh, that will complement the genesis and together they form one Euler beats record we are as i mentioned uh, putting additional changes to the um, the bonding curve as well as a few innovations on the music as well as the visualization side And um, we're running a different game theory experiment, which I think community will absolutely love. In terms of the first, I think the big win for us was paying out a thousand ETH in royalties in the first 23 days of the project. I think it's over $2 million. The big thing for us, of course, is the fact that we have shown the world, the creatives, the artists, that ability to instantly receive your royalties without necessarily going through a waiting process with a middleman, I think is, is a really big deal. The fact that people starting to understand how Fundamentally different. This will be for the music and creative industry. I think that is the, the biggest the biggest milestone we can be proud of, and and of course this probably would not have been possible without an instant community that was born overnight. I haven't looked at the appraiser on does rank the liveliness of the community, and I think just two weeks into the project, I think we were uh, in the third place after Top Shot in terms of the liveliness of the community. Uh, this this. At this point in time, uh, I think on day one, we had 250 people on Discord. As of uh, this moment, 26 days or so after launching launching the project, we have 2,300 people on the community, active community members. And what I'm most proud of is the creativity of the community members, Oiler Beats community, the type of things, the type of remixes they come up with, the type of airdrops that original token owners are doing. I'm uh, incredibly excited about that engagement. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing how the experiment with the next release goes. I think that will prioritize an ability to start building on top of the Euler Beats uh, tokens, new businesses and new ideas, and really engaging the community and original token owners in a very creative way.
0: If I can leave you with one last question here, what do you believe Euler Beats will fundamentally change about the music industry going forward?
1: It's really hard to uh, say what the future holds, honestly. I think this will accelerate this intermediation of the current structures that are tightly entrenched in the music industry. It's not something that's going to happen in a year or two or three. But uh, to quote Joe Lubin, the founder of Consensus, I think what this will do is, is it will right fit and right size and in essence find the true market price for the services that intermediaries provide. From now on, everybody in the music industry who has a role in the process will be challenged by the market forces. And those intermediaries that provide value will absolutely continue to provide value. But the intermediaries that are simply rent seekers, simply because they've been in the ecosystem for years and are not really providing any value to the artists or to the producers or to the consumers, they will be challenged and their existence will be questioned. Or the pricing for the services will be questioned with this process. I think that we will absolutely see that and the time has come for that change.
0: Great. Well, that's a great place to end on. Constantine, appreciate so much for coming on Crypto Unstacked, and look forward to following the project. And wish Euler Beats much success. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group. to buy or sell any financial products. Information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group.